Our Bible reading this morning is from the book of James, James chapter 3, verses 1 to 12. Um, In the Pew Bibles, it is on page 1012. If you go to the back of the Bible and you page about 30 pages back, that's where you'll find it. Page 1012, James 3, the first 12 verses. James chapter 3, the first 12 verses on page 1012. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, We guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. Tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body. Set it on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature, can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. So far the reading. Over the past few weeks we've looked at various types of gifts that we have as God's people. And we're not going to talk today about the gift of speaking in tongues, but we're going to be talking about the gift of using our tongues properly. And I've entitled the sermon, Tame That Tongue. About 15 years ago, large parts of Victoria was ravaged by intense bushfires in Australia's worst bushfire disaster. 173 people died, more than 400 were injured. In King Lake, which was the the most severely affected area, the fire was started by a spark from one of the power lines that a high wind had blown over. That small spark caused a grass fire, which in turn set the whole forest to fire. It grew rapidly in intensity, creating a true firestorm of fiery clouds and winds that set on fire even more areas. That small spark was the catalyst for the fiery hell that became known as Black Saturday. And those vivid images of of what happened on on those couple of days, those awful events, 
the destruction, the loss of life, all of those things have, in a sense, been scorched into our memories. And James makes use of similar vivid imagery to describe the destructive power and the nature of an uncontrolled tongue. He's just spent some time pointing out to to his readers that their faith should be expressed in their deeds, or to put differently, their actions need to speak louder than their words. But to make sure that they understand that a living faith is also demonstrated by the way that they speak, he turns his attention to the tongue. Although the tongue is tiny, he says, it's a tremendously powerful instrument. It can control, corrupt, curse and destroy. And as we work our way through this passage this morning, we'll see that just as a vital and living faith bursts forth in in deeds of thanksgiving, deeds of care, compassion and mercy, it's also characterized by a controlled tongue bursting forth with words of grace and with love. And James wants to highlight this by pointing out the the enormous incendiary capacity that an unbridled tongue has. We're going to look at the passage in three sections. The controlling tongue, which is in the first five verses, then from verse five to six, there's the destructive tongue, and then there's the untamable tongue. The controlling tongue, the destructive tongue, and the untamable tongue. In verse one, James has a warning for those who who aspired to the teaching roles in the church. Now don't think for a moment that he's trying to limit the preaching of God's word. Not at all. He's reminding those who seek such positions as preachers of God's word that when they appear before the judgment throne of God, they will be held to a higher standard. They'll be held to a stricter judgment. They'll be accountable for what they say to God's people. In other words, how they use their tongues, what they say, how they, how they say it as well. But it's not just those who preach God's word who need to be careful about their words. All of us do. Scripture continuously and consistently calls on all of us to guard our tongues, to have a guard in front of our tongues. In the beginning of his letter, James warned those who do not bridle their tongues that they deceive themselves and have a useless faith. The Psalms tell us that the wicked use their tongues like swords and aim bitter words like arrows. In verses 3 to 5, we see a similar imagery. It illustrates how our small organ, such as the tongue, has tremendous power. Listen again to those verses. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also, so also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. Now those of you who've been around horses know that they are extremely powerful, that they can be impetuous animals. Yet the whole body of a horse can be controlled by that little instrument in its mouth. And it's that that imagery that James uses. And he also uses, paints a similar picture of a ship being controlled by a rudder. Now, if you've ever seen a ship such as an oil tanker or perhaps a big cruise liner, you'd most likely have been amazed at how small you are in comparison if you stand next to that huge thing. But if you climb down into the the, the bowels of that ship and you get to that little thing that's used to steer the ship, it would also seem very tiny in comparison. Yet that relatively small mechanism has the power to send that ship 
the way that the pilot directed. It can send it in this way or that way. It can send it in the right way or the wrong way. And in the same way, the human tongue can also steer the whole body, steer the whole of human life. The tongue has the capacity to to turn a life onto the right path or the wrong path. That's why James can speak of the tongue being able to, to boast of great things. Now, he's not talking here about uh, empty bragging. The word boasting in this context means that the tongue has a real power. It has huge influence. It has far-reaching impact and consequences. Friends, the tongue is a powerful instrument with amazing powers. And it cuts both ways. It can be used for evil and for good. It can break down or build up. It can cause pain or pleasure, chaos or calmness, disaster or delight and it can turn a friend into a foe the words we use the way we use them don't only affect and control the course of our lives they impact on the lives of others too a harsh or unkind or untrue word cuts far deeper than even the sharpest of knife for its effects reaches deep into our beings It's been said that the tongue has destroyed more people, ruined more relationships and cost more people their jobs and their futures than any other act. I'm reminded of the story of a ship's captain who had quite truthfully recorded in the ship's log, the first mate was drunk today. And sometime later that same first mate recorded the following in the log, the captain was sober today. And again, this was true, but the innuendo of his words cast a slur on the captain. It could have affected his whole career. Our tongues can be used for good or for bad. Think of how the guiding words of a teacher can direct a student to the the right career choice. Think of how inconsiderate or insensitive remarks can damage a friendship, sometimes permanently. Think of how our our words can damage or impact our children's lives and their lifestyle choices. Think of the impact of unforgiving words on on a marriage relationship. And beloved in Christ, think especially of the eternal impact that your words can have on the souls of those whom the Lord places on your path. And that goes for all of us. Our words can have an eternal impact. If you've ever been to a doctor, you'll know that when when they examine you, they sometimes ask you to stick out your tongue. Why do they do that? Because they know that your tongue can reveal things about the state of your health. But spiritually speaking, our tongues reveal far, far more. They reveal the state of our hearts. Just as a living faith is evident in works of gratitude, so a living faith is made visible by the words that come from our mouths. So, dearest brother and sister, what does your tongue reveal about your heart? What do our tongues reveal about our hearts? So the first five verses tell us that the tiny tongue's power is quite out of proportion to its size. But there's more. There's more. For it also has the potential to spark into being a firestorm. Listen to how James graphically describes this destructive potential in the last part of verse 5 and then going on into verse 6. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. 
The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the whole course of life, and set on fire by hell. When James speaks of the tongue being a world, or more literally actually uses the word cosmos, a cosmos of unrighteousness, he means that it is full, full of wickedness. Elsewhere in the Bible, um, it describes the tongue as a sharpened razor plotting destruction. Calvin called the tongue a slender portion of flesh that contains the whole world of iniquity. And Jesus said, What comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and it defiles a person. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. The tongue does indeed have an awesome incendiary capacity. The spark of one comment can turn into a flame scorching a friendship. The flash of one unfair criticism criticism in a church environment can ignite a blaze that turns that church into something that is divisive. It can tear a congregation apart. Brothers and sisters, no other part of the body can wreak so much spiritual devastation. As one of my favourite preachers so aptly puts it, those who misuse the tongue are guilty of spiritual arson. Those who misuse the tongue are guilty of spiritual arson. Once words are spoken, they cannot be withdrawn. Once spoken, they take flight, and they can spread like a wildfire, setting the world ablaze. And that's even more the case in our technological era, technological time with things like Facebook and Twitter and other platforms. We see evidence in the widespread impact of bullying. But whether our words go out in speech or in a tweet or a Facebook post or an SMS, they have the potential to inflict damage and pain. It's no wonder. It's no wonder that scripture calls on us to put a God in front of our mouths. And as James tells us, the tongue's destructive capacity corrupts or stains the whole person. If the tongue isn't used in a God-honoring way, it's not just the tongue that's affected, but the whole person. Let me put it to you this way. I don't know if you've ever visited an open-cast coal mine. If you have, you'll know that when you walk in the surrounding areas, in the fields and the towns, there's a thin film of, of coal dust that seems to coat everything. It gets into every nook, every cranny, every pore. It gets in everywhere and it has an enormous health impact. And it's this sort of picture that verse 6 paints of someone being corrupted or stained in such a way that his spiritual health, the spiritual health of the whole body, is affected. By corrupting or, or staining the whole person, the tongue destroys the pure and undefiled religion that James has been so passionately speaking about in the first chapters, in chapters 1 and 2. Unbridled tongues are a picture of a corrupt and defiled faith. And yet James is not yet done. If that wasn't enough, there's more. He paints another picture for us, a picture of a, a tongue setting on fire the whole course of life, or literally the whole wheel of life. He's not just telling us of the corrupting effect of, of the tongue's action in one part of our lives, but rather how it changes and affects and influences the changing scene of our lives. Calvin raised a, a scary thought when he said, 
Other vices may drop off or be corrected by the process of time, but the tongue can blaze with the same fire throughout our lives. Our bodies might start failing. Our backs might be sore. We might be facing all sorts of issues with knees that are giving away or eyes that are failing. But it seems like our, our tongues can blaze with the same fire throughout our lives. In our text, James uses the same word as Jesus did for hell, Gehenna. James says that the blazing tongue is continually set on fire by Gehenna, by hell itself. Now you, you may remember that in biblical times, Gehenna was the rubbish dump outside of Jerusalem. Together with all the trash, that was the place where the, the corpses of executed criminals were buried. Where they were trashed there. And Jesus referred to Gehenna as the place of ultimate condemnation. So the point that James is making here is that the fiery stuff that comes out of an unbridled mouth is set on fire by the master of hell himself. The fire of an unbridled tongue is fueled by Satan. So what does that mean for our lives? There are many ways that Satan can use our words to further his cause. It's not limited to things like lying or, or swearing. Something that's very prevalent today is the use of words to bully others. And this is not just on school grounds. It's also in the workplace. It's everywhere. Words can take almost on a, a life of their own on social media. An example of that is the so-called cancel culture. That's where people are ruthlessly shamed online for something that they said or that they did which may have offended someone somewhere. Lives and livelihoods have been destroyed in this fashion. Friends, how, how do we use our words when we speak to others? When we write emails, when we SMS people, how do we use our words? How do we use our tongues? Do you consider the impact of your words before you say them? Perhaps you are someone whose words are not as godly as they should be when you speak about others behind their backs or when you speak to them. Perhaps your tongue is an instrument of discouragement rather than encouragement. Perhaps you are known for, for always thrusting your opinion forward or always wanting the last word. Perhaps you are someone who has a great wit, but you use that sharp wit to fire darts of sarcasm to put others down, to control them. People of God, if we want to truly and properly serve our God, we have to give careful attention to our tongues. We must put that God in front of our mouths. But this isn't something that we can do on our own, as James points out in the last part of our text when he talks about the untamable tongue in verses 7 to 12. In these final six verses, he reminds us of the, of the untamable, poisonous and two-faced nature of the tongue. We can successfully control animals, but in our own strength we cannot tame this little insignificant but hugely powerful instrument that is, in, that is the tongue. It's an instrument full of poison, full of wickedness. And friends, apart from God, apart from God, no one can tame or domesticate the tongue. And that reality should leave us in no doubt at all about our deep need for Jesus. The church father Augustine said, The taming of the tongue is brought about by the love and help and grace of God. 
where the tongue reveals what's in our heart, and our hearts cannot be tamed or transformed outside of Jesus Christ. Our gracious and redeeming God has saved us, and, transformed by the work of the Holy Spirit, we have to live transformed lives. And that includes the use of our tongues as well. Any Christian who can pray to God yet uses foul language or demeans others or gossips, such a Christian hasn't truly faced his or her own need for Christ. If we are God's children, if our hearts are his, then surely we cannot continue to use our tongues to both bless and curse, to bring out what is good as well as what is evil. But sadly, many a believer, many a believer needs to be confronted by or about his or her own radical, self-contradictory words. We need to be confronted by those when we utter them. And that will lead us to a closer and consistent walk with Christ. Beloved in Christ, if we have been transformed by Christ, our speech will show it. If our hearts belong to him, then surely our mouths will, will tend to produce the fruits of the love of God. And yes, because we are sinners who are still being sanctified, there will be some salt water mixed in with the sweet water of our lives. Our sanctification isn't a once-off thing and there, thereafter you've got a halo around your head. Our sanctification is a process. It's a process that starts with a, a heart transplant, that moment when the seed of salvation is planted in your heart. It's a process that that cleanses and keeps cleansing. It's a process that continues on for as long as we live. And it's a process that grows as we continue turning to God in total surrender, in worship, in devotion, and in prayer. It's only when we are fully surrendered to God, in all humility, that we have any hope, any hope of taming the tongue, because it's only in God's power that that can happen. But that means we need to make use of the resources and the, the wisdom that our loving Heavenly Father has made available to us through his all-sufficient word. Keep turning to God, keep turning to his word, keep trusting in the saving power of Jesus to cleanse your tongue. If you come to God and earnestly ask you, he will enable you through his Holy Spirit to direct your tongue. But we also need to use another capacity that the Lord gave us, another ability, our mental abilities. To help us keep our tongues in check, we also need to watch what we involve ourselves with, what we allow into our lives. If we, for instance, like to listen to gossip, we are far more likely to gossip. The more we accept it when people swear or use God's name in vain in our presence, the more their frame of mind becomes our frame of mind. The secular world intrudes into our Christian living more and more, especially, especially as far as kingdom ethics is concerned. The more that we accept the ethics of the world rather than the ethics of God's word, the more we will become part of the world, also in terms of what we allow ourselves to say. Friends, our tongues, our tongues are surrounded by a double row of teeth. Well, most of us have got double rows of teeth. But um, that double row of teeth is there to make sure that the tongue is kept within bounds. There's much wisdom in the saying, bite your tongue. Engage your brain that God has given you before you speak. As Julius Caesar used to say, make haste slowly. 
make us slowly when it comes to using your tongue. Now you may not remember this, but a few years ago we looked at a simple filter through which we can pass our words. And that filter is the little word think, T-H-I-N-K. The T is, or is what I'm about to say true? H is for, is it helpful? The I is for, is it inspiring? The N for, is it necessary? The K is, is it kind? Think. Or to put it as one question, is what I'm about to say godly? Is what I'm about to say godly? As we go from day to day, let's come before our God in prayer, before our loving and gracious Heavenly Father. Ask that the mind of Christ will live in us from day to day. Pray that by His love and power, He will control all we do and say. Pray that God's word will dwell in us richly. That His peace will rule in our hearts. Pray that the love of Jesus will fill us and that we will look only to Him. For it is in Him that we find peace, rest, salvation. And it's only by His power that our tongues can operate as instruments of praise and worship rather than of pain and destruction. I say this to you in the name of our Lord. Father, we thank you for your word to us. We know that the way we use our tongues is an indication of our spiritual well-being. Our Lord, we pray that we'll use the gift of the speech that you've given us to speak words that will honour and glorify you, words of grace, of truth and of love. We pray that our tongues will give ample indications of, of lives that are anchored in the saving grace that we've experienced. Lord, we pray that you'll help us to show our faith in you through the words that we use. That we'll be people who bring forth good things from the treasure stored in our hearts. Oh Lord, let our speech be gracious. Let it be seasoned with, with the salt of the words that you've written on our hearts. And dear Lord, let no corrupting talk come out of our mouths, but only that which is good for building up others. We pray this, O Lord, in the name of Jesus. Amen.